Welcome to Accounting High. You know, we all know about being an introvert or an extrovert. There's this concept, and I would think I was late to the party with this. Everybody else seems to know it, and I took forever. But the ambivert, have you heard about this, where you're like both? So, and, and I'm like, I feel like I'm a polar ambivert, where... On the one hand, I need to be I need to be alone in my office with the door locked and and a spreadsheet open. I need that in my life, but I also need this, you know, the creative side, which for me and, is the and you want them siloed. Yeah, you don't yeah. Want them to happen. Oh, I'm not. Well, I'm I do thousand percent with you. I've never heard of this before, and I'm, I, I just wrote it down. Extreme is, on uh, both sides. Yeah, extreme on both sides. Get yeah, get me on stage in front of a bunch of people or doing something creative or get me alone in a room by myself doing something, you know, very, not academic, but mathematical. And I, and both of those feed part, if I didn't have, you know, if something happened and I lost either of those, I think I'd, I'd miss it. Grow, 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 grow. Grow Marketing, it's Thursday. We gon' advertise and chat on Thursday. At Accounting High and Branding Talk is Thursday. And we gon' help you social post so you're in first place. It's time for social studies, accounting content hub, LinkedIn marketing, or X. So come join a social club. Is it Twitter? Is it X? Shit, now I can't keep up. So comment, follow, love. If you're into social studies, it's time for social studies, accounting content hub, LinkedIn marketing, or X. So come join a social club. Is it Twitter? Is it X? Shit, now I can't keep up. So comment, follow, love. If you into social studies, welcome back accounting high. Now it's time for social studies. We'll teach you new creative ways to market old products. Move beyond basics with graphing stats. Some studs you love position like Laurelin and you learn it's not all luck. Oh wait, now it all changed. SEO down, IG up. I see X meta TikTok, hey LinkedIn Roman V up. If you watch how they post, you'll see it's all authentic and genuine. Grow a following and don't get held back by perfection. Be intentional online, create content. Now that's hot. Strategy is key with social media and pods. Start slow, pick up platform stick to it and go post make a plan to engage with client watering holes create a focus brand be a lead online it's a digital world with the best roi now create your own ideal client persona let's go keyword accounting high and get ready to blow. it's time for social studies accounting content hub linkedin marketing or x so come join our social club is it twitter is it x shit now i can't keep up so comment follow love if you're into social studies it's time for social studies accounting content hub linkedin marketing or x so come join our social Club. Is it Twitter? Is it X? Shit, now I can't keep up. So comment, follow, love if you're into social studies. Follow this show, stay in the know. Thought lead online through networking. Like, share, repost, subscribe, YouTube, comment, engage, create, find your way. Introducing the star of our show, Scott Scarano. We're going to have a problem here. We have Greg Kite here. We are blessed. He is a self-proclaimed cartoonist, MC, CPE presenter, stand-up comedian, comptroller, comptroller, yes. comptroller, yep. podcast host, fry sauce connoisseur. <laughs> yes, he is the master of all things CPE comedy. Greg Kite. Right on. So so glad to be here. Was your father a CPA? No, my. No, my dad. My dad was a mechanical engineer. His big claim. He. Are you guys? Do you know about Pendleton Wool? Like oh, Pendle- oh, fantastic. My dad was the plant manager at 
the original Pendleton Woolen Mills in, mill or, in, or, in, in in Pendleton, Oregon. Or, they had yeah. three three plants: Pendleton, Oregon, Portland, Oregon, and Vancouver, Washington. And he was he ran the original plant in Pendleton, Oregon. Which I'll tell you what, Pendleton, Oregon, it's a thriving metropolis. A great way, great place to spend your summer is in at Pendleton, Oregon, man. So is it Sons of Wool or Sons of Mills? It's a, it would be son of son. I, I like like a, a, a son of a of a of a wool monger. That's really good. That sounds like an insult. You son, son of a wool monger. That's like what they'd say. Like if we were in like the dark ages, they'd be like, "That's son of a wool." You're on your own boat on that one. Yeah, if we're in the dark ages. But, you're you're pillaging and roaming in your own wool boat there. Yeah. But that said, I mean, if we're talking like lineage, my grandfather on my mom's side, he was a financial forecaster at Boeing. So that's not 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 a CPA, but that's uh, you know in the same ballpark. What about Interesting. you? Bobby? I can't ignore the the comedy, the cartoonist, and the MC. I know that we're we're supposed to be talking about accounting here. I know that we're supposed to be talking about everything relevant to this podcast. But God, all I want to talk about is the comedy stuff. And, and the cartoon. So I guess we ha we're going to have to thread the needle there. But first, we should at least very much ask, how were you as a child? Were you a handful to your parents? No, I was. No, no, no. My brother was. Really? Yeah, yeah definitely had a a, a a demon angel situation going on. My brother wait, was. Wait, wait, wait. And you were the angel? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, interesting. Absolutely, I was I was the good the good kid at home. I was the good kid at school. I was yeah. I was, were you always funny growing up? Were you like the class clown? No, uh, when well, it was funny in elementary school. It was funny. I I was so my nerddom started early. I was in I was in this gifted and talented program where they actually bust us to like this magnet school in the district. So they took all the nerdiest kids from the entire school district packed us all in one, one school and i remember like as a kid there was a bunch of other kids in that in my elementary school that like we were the same kind it was mo we were all the same kids in the same class all through elementary school and there were kids i thought were hysterical and i was always like i wish i was as funny as mark was and i just was like but i'm not dang it uh and then even in <laughs> high school smart. yeah well, no, I wasn't even the. It was a gifted. I was like middle of the road. I was like maybe kind of funny every now and then, and I was like just mediocre amongst these gifted children. And then in high school, I didn't consider myself particularly funny in high school, but I do know talking to friends now, they're like, "Oh, you were you were very funny." So it was, so it was puberty. Like yeah, so it's all relative, right? It's all relative. Yeah. You go into the world of accounting and CPAs, and you're the funniest in the room. Right? Which, well, which isn't. That's not. The bar is low with us. That's not wrong. So I started. So I I started uh, my professional life not as an accountant, but as a middle school uh, math teacher. And oh. it was during that that I started doing stand up, and then I switched from. Uh, I, I made a midlife career change from middle school math to CPA. And I'd already been doing stand-up. I started at that firm. It was it was Squire and Company okay. down in Utah County. He know he knows Squire and Company. Yeah, yeah. And as a brand new hire, I was I just went up to somebody. I was like, "Hey, what would you think if I did like I don't know like three to seven minutes of stand-up at the beginning of uh, of staff meetings every every week?" And I was like, "I'll base it all off the Journal of Accountancy." And I 100 percent did. I did like 
Really? Yeah, it was all. That's how it started. It, that, that's how. Well, no. And, and then it, it was weird because on the one hand, you're not getting huge laughs at staff meeting at 9 a.m. <laughs> at your accounting firm. But then I also had one of the partners pull me aside once and go, I mean, it was a partner. It was a partner of the firm. He's like, the only reason I come to these meetings is because of you. <laughs> and so, so I was at least getting through to one person oh. with it. But so, uh, don't take I, this the wrong way. But when I think of a middle school math teacher, I think of a white shirt, a black tie, glasses, and a bald head. <laughs> I do just in my mind. Like I really, I've had math teachers in middle school, and that's just. Um, don't take it the wrong way, but that's, you look like a middle school math teacher. Too. Uh, you know what? It, it follows me around. Now I know your sh sleeves are rolled up, but usually it's a, it's a button up shirt that is cut sleeves, right? The oh, short, short sleeves. Sleeve. Yeah. Oh no. You're now you're thinking of Mormon missionary. That's a hundred ah, percent. Missionary look is the short sleeve. Missionaries for the church. That's what, what did I say? Didn't I? Um, I was, I was a funny LDS. teacher. You were to, to different, to, it depends on the class because I had, because at my middle school, it was kind of it was kind of cool. They tried to be very equitable. Because at most schools, like the teacher who's been there the longest, they get like the higher level classes, which are usually better behaved, and it's easier. At our at our school, they always made sure everybody had like some high level classes. And they had some like remedial classes and everything in between. And what I found is that it was only like with my with my top students in my top class that I could actually be funny because anywhere else I'd like crack a joke and they'd be like, Oh, the teacher said a joke. It's recess. And then they'd screw around. Like you couldn't can, they, they were just gone for the rest of the time. So I, so I was like, I was pretty stern, like with all of my classes, except like that one class every year. And I would like legit try out bits. On that. <laughs> so I remember, I remember one telling them I had this idea that if, uh, if I ever hadn't like, for some reason, I ever lost both of my legs, like in a landmine kind of situation that I would install at, at my home. I wouldn't have like ramps or, or wheelchairs. I just install a series of monkey bars around <laughs> my house. And I did this act that where I was like swinging monkey bar to monkey bar and like answered the door, swing, go, hey, how you doing? What's up? That's a real stoic way of thinking, though. You know, what's the worst that could happen? I lose my legs, but you got a backup plan. I did well, and then and the real thing was if I if I was a but if you lost your arms, that would suck. It would that suck. Would really suck. It, it'd be oh, that would. Yeah. But but no legs and monkey bars. I like this was back when Oprah was still on. I was like, that's a ticket to get on Oprah. She's and not that on was really. So, I had a I had a backup. <laughs> the legs. The legs would happen. Back so, up to the backup. Yeah. And yeah. I, um, how, was, how were you gonna lose your legs? Like, what was the fear in your mind? I, 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 it was just like, if this happened, this is, I don't know how I got, I can't remember so how I got So it's not like there. some phobia. No, no, no. It's yeah. just, just, just trying to, it's. Yeah, no, no, I get it. it. I, I have those thoughts all the time. It's all, risk, absolutely all the time. Yeah, it, it's risk management it. is what risk it was. Management. And then, and with that, I was like, I'm in the wrong field with my clearly innate proclivity for risk management. I need to get out of teaching middle school math and find something else, not just another career where I'm better that I'm better suited for, but also a better career where the dream of home ownership might actually become a reality. Those two <laughs> things. Segue though. So growing up, did you find your, did you fancy yourself an accountant a math or actually a comedian? Like at what point did you decide to actually take a path? Right? Like, 
it didn't was that the end game to be a teacher at first? The, well, okay, you asked earlier and we totally ignored you what my mom did. Yeah. My mom my mom was a pharmacist. So she sold drugs on a corner of my hometown of Mali Terrace, Washington. Legally. And legally, but she was selling drugs yeah. on a corner. Okay. And we we've talked about this on on the, in the past. I've sold drugs as well, so I have more relation to your mom than your father. Yeah, right. Well, hey, I, you know, you have to serve. We actually we have a, we have a really good bit here that me and Zachary are working on because he was serving at the same time I was serving, but I was serving for the devil. He was serving for the higher power. Yeah, so, the Church of Jesus because the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Yeah. At some point, we're going to get to a message of hope and peace during this episode. I'm hoping, but here's the thing. So my mom, not only was she a pharmacist, she owned her own she owned her own pharmacy. And I started working for her when I was 14 years old because it, it was a partnership. She, so she was, she was like the, the pharmacy side. The other partners were supposed to be like the retail end side of all the other crap that you, that sell. they sell at a drugstore for whatever reason. And as many partnerships do, like within a year, they, ha they hated each other, like hated each other. So there was oh, it sounds like day. me and Ackerman. That sounds like me and Ackerman already. Is that, is that After it? about a year, we hate each. Other. This is yeah. why Zachary's on. Yeah, so, but th but this was. I mean, it was so toxic. Like it. Like I. This this is what the day I started working for my mom. I was 14 years old. I think it was summertime, and I was just hanging out at the drugstore because there wasn't any school. And and her partners were like were like screw you, screw this place. We're out of here. They gave the middle finger. They walked out the store. My mom was like, hey, so uh, looks like you work here now. So there's the cash register. Get going. And, and uh, I started working there, but very quickly. So I was 14 when I started working there. I think I was 16 when she actually started having me do the books for yeah. her. For wow. her. And this was back in the 80s. So I was I was working on a 13-column analysis pad, writing oh, in yeah. stuff with a pencil. That's told, to, yeah, tolling my That's columns this way and this way and making sure they add together down here doing all that so uh so that and the crazy thing is i very much enjoyed the book you were a teenager in the 80s i was a teenager in the 80s wow i, I, was, I wasn't even born yet actually i was i was born. on my way on my drive up here i was listening to men at work that's that's my uh that and the police so that's that's where <laughs> i, I the police came though. from uh, so i'm a child of the 80s i'll be honest like i, I was born yeah well it's you know you can find there's good what stuff was there. the biggest takeaway for you from working for your mom at that small business. Uh, don't start a small business. <laughs> that was like, like legit. I, really? I, yeah, I just because it was so, her experience was so rough because part of what happened in that first year, that first toxic year with these partners is because again, my mom, her, her responsibilities were to run the pharmacy. And, it, and it's one of those things in, in that kind of establishment, it's definitely an 80, 20 kind of thing. 80% of the revenue of the entire business comes from the pharmacy and that all the other crap that you see at a CVS, they love to sell that and it's great, but that's not the meat and potatoes of the store. So my mom was supposed to be just in, in charge of making the pharmacy side run right. Her other partners were supposed to do very important things like remit payroll taxes and things like this <laughs> that they did not do. And so as soon as they walked away, she starts getting these, you know, these notices from the IRS and she's been, and her business just tanked because of, and, and there was a bunch of other just legal things in terms you know, of how stuff was tied up with those partners. I think if she would have had a CPA that could guide her oh. through the process, the whole, the whole way. Yeah. 
she she might have made a go at it. she 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 may well have yeah because that because that screwed her and then getting caught up on that stuff because the money and i don't think that they embezzled the money but i think it was just reinvested ah. in in bad things that weren't financially sound like if you do find something out that's a good topic for your new podcast that would be but it's too i mean at this point that stuff's so buried under years but anyway so so my mom spent 10 years of her life and then and then she couldn't you know she couldn't afford to hire another pharmacist so now and legally a drugstore can't be open without a, a pharmacist on site and so to make ends meet she's working 12 hour days monday through friday 10 hours on saturday eight hours on sunday and that's her life for 10 years and and at the end and she and and her whole thing is she did like she she really you know for for many reasons didn't want to declare bankruptcy with this pharmacy and that was her entire goal was just like i want to be able to feed my children and not declare bankruptcy and after 10 years she didn't declare bankruptcy she just closed and and a lot of times back right before when she closed her store a lot of times what would happen is you you'd sell your records to it's kind of similar to i think what some cpa firms do if you're sell just closing yeah you sell your book of business they could do that with pharmacies too but right when she was closing up that was when that like chain pharmacies became the norm and they're like no we're going to get that business so she just shut the door like we're lagging in the cpa away. world in the in the firm world but at some point there's going to be chain you know we've got h and r blocks we've got you know the pilots of the world you know cropping up i think we're going to start seeing that too um yeah, yeah. It, it's already a trend that's kind of starting um on the you know on the ground level but as it, as it relates to firm ownership too i think um the you know it's hard it's hard to have a small business without a support system and without any kind of outside help in the finance you know for the finance function for the back office so you as a as a child were steered away from something like that i think you know, Zachary, in the opposite end, you were pulled right in, you know, like Zachary, you grew up, your dad has owned a firm, you're now, you know, almost running the firm, or you're, you're part of the firm. And it didn't steer you away. So it's an interesting contrast too, because you could be a pharmacist right now, Greg, if it was I, a different experience. Uh, yeah, I could, I could, I, I people I'm ask me that all the time. Yeah. When I, when I was working there, like, so are you, are you, because I, because I started college when I was working there too. And they're like, so you're studying to be a pharmacist? And I was like, absolutely not. There's not. And and it was one of those weird things where they're like, dude, your mom's standing right there. Don't say it like yeah. that. I'm like, well, what was it about the books then? Like, because did oh. is that what hooked you? Or was there anything yeah. about that 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 you that stuck with you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love doing the books. The books, and and again, it was the it was the precision of what you were doing. There's a right answer. Yeah. You, you don't there's there's like at the end of whatever the tasks were and i can't even remember what i was doing reconciling something on these huge spreadsheets but a you knew that there was a right answer b you knew that as long as you spent enough time that you were gonna get it done right because if the you know again we're talking these 13 column analysis pads and if the numbers don't match where they're supposed to match you know you got to go back and do it again and uh, i think just the whole just uh, the intense left brain side of of working with that quantity of numbers and and again with being absolutely sure that you were doing it right uh, that stuff clicked with me a lot well so in all seriousness though there is no right answers with comedy 
comedy is so yeah. subjective and comedy right. is so open to interpretation and there's there is absolutely no right answers and there's with enough time it could still be done wrong right like with enough time of doing comedy it could still be done wrong so how do you balance both of those well the funny thing is there is a right answer and the right answer is did people laugh and then yeah, and, and, and which is which is why for me comedy has been just it's this thing that's it's it's strangely inescapable for me because if i go to a club and if i have a if i have a fantastic show i'm killing it then i go this that was the best thing ever i got to come back here and i got to do that again if i go to a club and i have a crappy show and i feel risky bad about you know it was you know it's just meh or you know whatever happened and it didn't connect i go oh my gosh i have to go back there and do it again cuz i I feel the oh. only thing that can wash away the shame and the and and just the the bad juju that I got from that set is going back and, and having a great set. And so one way or another, so there is a right answer. It's like, did I get that immediate like gambler feedback? So sounds like a gambler justifying their nights at the card table, right? This, this you have a really good answer. night, you gotta go back. You have a bad night, you gotta go back. You gotta go back. Yeah, that that's yeah. When you're reconciling the books, if you weren't happy with it. Would undo the reconciliation. I would. I would, I would pull that <laughs> yeah. thirteen column. I'd light it on fire, whoosh, and then I'd go. We're doing it again. <laughs> Got to get this right. So right. yeah, the laughter is a universal language too. You know, laughter. Is, yeah. Um, and as as is math. I mean, yeah. that's and, and, and as is accounting. I mean, every you can't get a culture that doesn't have accounting. You can't get a culture that doesn't do math. Can't get a culture that doesn't laugh. Doesn't except laugh. You, Russia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You had a mom who was full of integrity. That's yeah. what I got from Oh, this absolutely, yeah. And uh, accountants have to have high integrity. Yeah. And and so I think uh, you did learn that from your mom. Yeah, uh, yeah. Integrity uh, and work ethic. I mean, she... You well, know. Greg, you've got that. And I just met you for the first time, like in person in Denver. And we're all going out and hanging out and partying. You, I'm going to have to go to bed early. I'm not going out. I'm not drinking. I'm going to. Really? Um, uh, yeah. And you were MC and you did a beautiful job. But this was that's a lot of that's work ethic and that's integrity yeah. because Gusto's paying you to be there. So you're not going to around on their dime and right. you know, go out and party. And I thought that was that was admirable. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I mean, I, I, that's and also, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And yet yeah, it's, it's one of those things too go, that even folds back into what I said about doing stand up comedy where it's like if you if you don't do well, it's hard to get that feeling of failure off of you. So there's a lot driving me to make sure, like at Gusto, I wanted to make sure that I knew what I was saying, that it was funny, that I had setups for who's coming up next and funny things to talk about. You have a very short that. memory when you're performing. And it, oh, it, oh, very it, short memory. Incredibly short. And and that's one of the things too, is that even other other conferences that I had emceed, they didn't have a they didn't have a teleprompter. These guys, Gusto had a teleprompter and but but even with that, they needed all that stuff like weeks before the, uh, the day of. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I just gotta like between the different speakers, I gotta sit there going, okay, what's the what are the announcements I need to say? What are the funny things I need to say? What's the name of the guy coming up? Is it Scott? It's scientific. I wanna make sure <laughs> I don't forget his name. So, but, but fortunately, so I was up, yeah, I was up super late that night making sure I had all that stuff prepared, but it was, it was mostly because I didn't want to, because I hate failing at right. something like that, because it's so hard to, to, 
to and i'm sure you've got stories of, of times you were extra prepared and you think everything's going to go well and it's a failure like yeah. that's and that's not scientific that's just no but you're right i mean what but but also i mean you were saying you know there's the there's the precision of accounting there's the versus the art of comedy and i will say that's one of the things that i found is true about me and you know we all know about being an introvert or an extrovert there's this concept and i would think i was late to the party with this everybody else seems to know it and i took forever but the ambivert have you heard about this where you're like both so and and i'm like i feel like i'm a polar ambivert where on the one hand i need to be i need to be alone in my office with the door locked and and a spreadsheet open i need that in my life but i also need this you know the creative side which for me and, is the and you want them siloed yeah you don't yeah want them to have one oh i'm not well I'm i do thousand percent with you i've never heard of this before and I'm, i just wrote it down extreme this is, uh, on both sides. yeah extreme on both sides get yeah get me on stage in front of a bunch of people or doing something creative or get me alone in a room by myself doing something you know very not academic but mathematical and i and both of those feed part if i didn't have you know, if something happened and I lost either of those, I think I'd, I'd miss it. So yeah, I, I, that's a thousand percent going to be the title of this episode, the ambivert. Um, nice. That's, <laughs> I yeah. think that's a, that, that's beautiful. So right. talk about the art. There's an essence to human interactions that can't be quantified. I, I tried to sound smart there. I, I don't know if that landed. Or <laughs> you not. Did, you did totally that. There's an essence that cannot be quantified that's the art of human interaction. Yeah. Like it. That was good. Yeah. So nailed it. So um, let's kind of show you your journey to where you are now. Um, CPA and we, startup. We've listed out and, you know, <laughs> the CPA startup. Yeah. So when did you so when did you decide you were going to become a CPA? Uh, it was in 2006. I think it was. Yeah, I think 2006. And uh, I was I was well established as a teacher, but like I said, I I didn't I didn't really enjoy the job. You hear people who who become teachers who are like, oh, I was an accountant, and all I was doing was crunching numbers, and I didn't feel like I was doing anything positive for the world. And I was like, no more of this. So I went back to school. I became a teacher. I was the exact opposite. Where I go, you know what? These kids kind of drive me up a wall. Parents are even worse. I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm going to be an accountant. Where I where I, I know what I'm doing. And, and actually, I mean, it goes back to the precision of what we do. One of the things that drove me nuts as a teacher is you could give them a test, but you never know for sure if they just studied the right things, if they guessed well, if they cheated off their neighbor. You never knew if you really got that information into that brain. And that was one of the things that drove me nuts. So, and, and again, so, so I didn't really like the job and the pay was not good. So I was like, well, and when I went to college, like I said, I did bookkeeping for my mom. When I went to college, I was like, well, I, I'm great at math and I enjoyed bookkeeping. Which which one should I do? Should I be a math major or should I be an accounting major? And I chose math major. And I and I after a few years of being a teacher, I was like, I chose wrong. Let's go go back and do do the other one. And so That's so I went back and did do. the other one as a as a as a human. It's tough. And. I like to say, I've said this before on the podcast, it's about money until it's not you, you know, to a degree, you figured that out. And, you know, I, I use Blake as an example of that too. Like, you know, it's just different people, you know, follow maybe their passion or follow what they think they should be doing. 
and realize I got to make money to live. You know, I got to, <laughs> I want to actually live a normal life. Yeah. So I think because I'm half Jewish, I never experienced that because it was always about money with me. It was, yeah. It's never not about money. Are, are you drawing a diagram here? I am. Is this uh, like Maslow's hierarchy? Uh, no. The quadrant? It's, yeah. This is this is what I had, and I'm not sure if this is gonna translate. This is my this is my two by two quadrant right here, uh, where you can have it. You got not fun. Is your job then, fun or not fun? Is there money or is there no money? And okay, what quadrant okay. do you what quadrant are you in? Teaching for me was in the not fun, no money quadrant. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I like this. I like this. There's no reason to be here. And the the idea, like if if it's fun but there's no money, that's you doing that's your comedy. passion. That's stand up. That, yeah, that's stand up for me. That's exactly what that is for me. And if it's money and not fun, you're in a you're you're a you're a soulless banker on Wall Street. <laughs> but yes. the goal, the goal of life is to get to the fun and money part. And uh, and and I feel like I've been able to get there. But here's here's the cool thing. So so and and, and it goes back to what what you were saying is like the silos having the comedy and the accounting in the two silos where I feel like what I've been able to do. And, and you know, and this is, this is even the, the art of a, a business is you got to have a niche, like whatever you're, you've got to specialize in something or else you're not going to make any money at all. And for me, it ended up being, okay, I, I can be funny and I'm an accountant. So that's, so, and then you, you get, you find that Venn diagram of, of humor and accounting and there's, there's like less than 12 other people who are in that spot. And then all of a sudden, like what you do back to what you were saying, Scott, it's like, it's a very low bar too. So if you're in that, in that very, very tiny space, whatever you do, people who are in the industry are very interested in it. So that's why yeah. we can have a, that, that's why it gives you I, a lot of space to, to yeah. freedom. Um, yeah. if you're, you know, if, if you're kind of pioneering something, so to speak. Yeah, so that so so it was five years ago, I think mostly just out of interest and even a little bit of mental health, I started doing cartoons just for me, just to just to exercise that creative side of me. And I I did a couple I love of this story. All yeah, myself, right? I, I do those all myself, all by hand. Yeah. I haven't even I, I'm like intentionally ultra lo-fi on the like low tech lo-fi yeah. on those. But I did I did a few of them, and then I was like going, I wonder if anybody buy these for me. So I, so I sent them off to Tom hood at accounting today. Oh yeah. And I'm like, Hey, would you, what would you think about buying these for me and running them out of tech accounting day? And he looks at me he's like, yeah, hard pass uh, from accounting today. <laughs> so then I go to Caleb Newquist at going concern. I go, Hey, what you want to buy these for me and run them on going concern. And Caleb's like, yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> and then, uh, and I go, well, it was worth the try. And then a couple of weeks later, Caleb, like he, he contacts me. He's like, Hey, I thought about some more and yeah, we want to run them. And then, and so all of a sudden I'm not, I'm not a great artist. I've got friends who are fans. The Gary Larson of accounting, right? What was that? The Gary Larson or the Charles I, Schultz. Gary Larson's far side, right? Yeah, I think I yeah. could say I'm the Gary Larson of accounting, although he's got some accounting cartoons that are actually very, very good. But again, it's one of those things where it's like if you've got this niche and I've got this thing where it's like, oh, I I, I just, you know, threw something against the wall and, and it ha and it stuck because I'm in this really sticky niche where I've got people who are far more talented than me that I know that are like, if you could sell cartoons like on a regular basis, I kind of have a whenever you get one, we'll pay you for it. 
kind of thing, they would lose their minds about that. And me, I'm just like, oh, oh I do comedy. I'm an accounting dude. Will you do this? Do you have a yes. process for these cartoons? Are you producing a lot of them or do you have just a, a stockpile? I have a stockpile there because because I do them by hand. They're pretty labor intensive. But again, yeah. I get something out of that because it's, you know, it's kind of like you're alone yeah. in the room drawing like that's I, that's part yeah. of your like you can be in front of a, a group as an MC, but you could also be alone in a room doing this yeah. as well. Exactly. And and I love it. And it's I kind of relate it. You know how a lot of people like the adult coloring books kind of thing. That's been a big thing in the last mm -hmm. decade yeah. or so. It's, I, I think it's the same kind of thing I get from that where it's just like I get to I just get to sit and draw. And it's nice. It's nice for me. But in terms of a process of coming up with the ideas, a lot. It, it's it's just like with stand up, where uh, yeah, out in my car, I've got a. I usually have just a, a drawing pad in my book bag that I just keep with me. And if inspiration hits, I bust it out and I do a little doodle. And and you and the nice thing is, is that you don't need too many. I have I have a backlog of ideas that I need to get to to yeah. make cartoons. So, so the answer is both of what you said. I do have, I, I keep a collection of ideas that I need to get back around to, to turn them into cartoons. But I also do have, I think, I think I've got probably close to a hundred cartoons that I've published so far that, you know, it's well, and it, it's just, and it's just like with the far side, I had a, I had a far side desk calendar last year. And, and I swear I've, I've seen every, I have the complete works of Gary Larson at home. I swear I've seen every single cartoon they has, but it was maybe every other day that it was like, oh, I remember this one, and the other ones go, never seen this one before. So I think it's yeah. the same thing with mine, where I published one, and people are like, I don't know if this is old or if it's new, but I liked it. Like, well, in context, you usually the ones that stick with you are the ones that really would resonate in your, you know, in your point of view or your life. Like, oh wow, yeah. I love this because of that. Or sometimes you don't even draw the connection, and then another one later in life, you have a different perspective, and then then you connect with that one too for a different reason. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's kind of, that goes with the draw of inspiration as you think of something that really resonates with you and it may not be the right time to release it or to do it, but you've got the idea there. And then later you, you build on that. And then it becomes like with these cartoons, you've also told me the story where the Christmas cards, right? Like oh, it was, yeah. that's a great yeah. story as well. You care to you know share that one too. That's yeah. a, Oh, to, well, the, and the Christmas card story is even getting better. I think it's better. It's even gotten better than when I told it to you. So, <laughs> so I did. So I did these cartoons for go and 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 most and pretty much all of them got published through Going Concern. Exposure drafts. Is Exposure what drafts. Them, right? yeah. yeah, that's yeah. You can go. We've got a. I got I got my Instagram set up for that, so you can go to at Exposure Drafts and see. Maybe not the entire catalog, but it's getting close to the entire catalog that I put on there. So I've been, and then out of out of the blue, I get this. Do you email. do that daily on Instagram, or do you do it? Um, I, I I shoot for twice a week to put okay. something out on Instagram twice a week, and then uh, out of the blue, this was this was a over a year, maybe about a year and a half ago. I get this uh, email from a lady going, "Hey, I'd love to. I, I want to talk to you about licensing one of your cartoons." And I'm like, "Going, oh, finally, a textbook publisher realized that these would be great in an accounting textbook." But but I don't know if that's what it was. so I emailed her back going going yeah I'd love to talk to you about that what are you you know what what do you plan on using it for and she was like well I run a little firm and I was thinking about taking it and changing it into a Christmas card and giving it to my staff and maybe a few of my clients and then I'm going 
you should have just done it. Why didn't you? Yeah. But 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 I'm like going, okay, for that sort of thing, I typically charge a hundred dollars or so just to be like, okay, it's you know, so so, so I got it. So but I did, I charged her a hundred bucks to license the and I drafted up some bogus little thing of going, I Greg Kite do hereby authorize so and so to with the crew whatever and so but then I was like, Oh, that's a great idea to make Christmas because I've got I've got a, a handful of, of uh, Christmas themed cartoons that I've done over the year, and they, and they and they've gotten good response when I when I've uh, put them out there. So I was like, ah, I'm gonna start doing Christmas cards with my. So then I'm like, ah, I gotta start doing more of these and posting them on social media more. So I was really diligent in 2020 about uh, posting those, uh, j- just you know, getting more awareness of my cartoons back out there. And I even found a dude named his his first name is rubik his last name is unpronounceable and he already was doing like cards he he has this whole like accounting like yeah accounting, accounting greeting cards mm-hmm. and i found him and i was like hey i've been wanting to do that and he's like cool i can make your stuff into cards i'm like going cool because i don't know how to do that and he's like yeah i'll take care of all the back end stuff you just give me your stuff and i'll make and i go that's amazing awesome this is so easy and I was like, and, and it turned out I would make after taxes, I realized I'd be making about a buck a card, but that's great because you get you get Ernst and Young buying a hundred thousand cards. I just made a hundred thousand dollars, right? Cha-ching. So I'm like going, let's do this. Pedal to the metal. And and listen, by the end of 2020, I sold nine cards through this guy's <laughs> uh site. Round up, you made 10 bucks. 10, 10 bucks after taxes. <laughs> And then what, uh, but, but I think you got the first part of that story. It was like, oh, that's a great idea. New cards, not a good idea actually after all. But because I was so consistent posting stuff online, I've now had seven different commission cartoons where, where like companies have come to me and say, Hey, we want to do, we want to sponsor a cartoon through, through you to blast out on social media and for you to make for us. And I'll tell you, that has been incredibly lucrative and a lot of fun to do it. And actually- yeah. I've got one coming up. Like I, I sold two cartoons to Divi. You know, Divi. oh yeah. Divi. Do you know Divi? I do know Divi. They came out of the blue. We're like, hey, we think we want you to do a couple cartoons. And I go, I go, shut up. You're in Draper, you, which is just you know yeah. halfway between Zach and I. And they're like, cool. Here, let us throw. It. We have a bunch of money in our budget left over from 2020. We gotta get rid of it. Here, you take all of it. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then, and I actually have a meeting better. with them on Thursday. They're a cool company and they're doing lots of great stuff. What Sorry. was your very first podcast in the accounting industry that you were on? It was the Thrive, Thrive, the Thrivecast Thrive with Jason. And what year, that was had to have been like 2010. 2011. 2011? Started, yeah, we started our first episode. So we, it was a monthly podcast. Our first episode dropped in July of 2011. Okay. Um, I met Jason in January of 2011. And the weird thing was, too, about that about from my side of that podcast is that i i had i had been thinking man it'd be cool to get like a a funny business podcast going so i actually pitched so i was doing at that time i was doing uh improv comedy as well as stand-up comedy and i pitched the idea to one of my improv buddies who i knew was well read in business books and i was and so i i like sent him a message through Facebook Messenger. It was like, hey, I got this idea. I think it'd be really cool if we did a business podcast together. What do you think? And literally the next day, Jason calls me. It's like, hey, I want to do this business podcast. I want you on it because you're funny. The what do you think? The lines, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, 
And, and, and so I was like, uh, yes, absolutely. And the funny thing was the guy that I messaged, he like, he never responded to that message ever. He clearly was not very turned on by the idea. So, well, but yeah, not responding. Tom Hood was supposed to be on at some point and, and, you know, we, we got, he never responded back either. So I just, I, was, I, I thought of that one too. Yeah. I was trying to find it. But I couldn't find it, but, but he didn't take back. up your cartoon. I'm uh, sorry. I wanted to bring that up too, because when I do open up accounting today, I see cartoons, but I don't see exposure draft. I see. Some no, other guy. Yeah. We, were, we were too, I was too edgy. That's really, what, yeah. Too edgy. That's, oh, wow. that's the, that's the story of my life. Stuff I do too edgy. Like the, I think one of the ones I sent it to serves you well though. That's a niche, right? That's it, it part is. Of, um, that, that's part of your niche, I, but it, it's gotta be a balance too, right? That's why yeah. I have Zachary on. Cause if I go too far, then at least I have a sounding board to know the guest is the balance all the time. Zachary's, uh, I think, a little too far on one end. And so this it works out pretty well. And I think the contrast is like the, the black and white or the night and day, you know, however yeah, you want to. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite all-time episodes of any podcast was Thrivecast early on. It was like 2012, I'm guessing, maybe 2011. I don't know. Somewhere yeah. in that range. I tried to find it. I couldn't find it. But you, you and Jason were talking about niches and okay. perfecting those, and and he was taking experiences from his his creative agent, you know, creative uh, accounting firm that he has. But it's like one of the classics. You can still go back and listen to that. Like I listened to it yeah. like a year ago or so, and it's still fantastic. Nice, cool. Uh, it's really impressive. So there's some good stuff in some of those old podcasts. Yeah, we we I'm we hammered on niches a lot in that. In, in the, you know, it's it's just it's kind of like you know personal finance gurus. They have two drums. It's like make a budget, get out of debt. That's the entire story. And and I feel like it, it wasn't quite that simple with Thrival, but or with you know with the business of accounting. But one the biggest thing is find, you got to find a niche. If you haven't done that, you're not. That's that's like the starting point for all of it. And if you haven't found it. It, and even funny enough, when I was out in Greenville one time for one of the D Jason does the annual deeper weekend conference yeah. out in Greenville, South Carolina. And I was out there once and, and it, you know, it's, it's a small crew. We're all kind of doing everything. So I was out there to MC and I'm, I'm helping set up the venue too. And so we're in this, Jason finds these really cool venues and we're in there setting up. And this dude who runs a jewelry shop, across the street from the venue he just wanders and going hey kind of what's going on over here you know it's, it looks like you guys are getting ready for something cool and i go yeah it's an accounting conference he goes accountants huh? i need a good one and i go i go oh my gosh this and jason was on a ladder right next to me hanging something up on the ceiling. I go, this guy right here he is the premier accountant for it in, in all of greenville south carolina <laughs> need a good one is this guy and jason's like no not <laughs> I don't know. I don't do jewelry stores. I do creative businesses. And he's like, knock it off. And I'm like, I was trying to help. And uh, I did not. Well, that's help. a good point, too. Like, so, because that happens a lot with accountants. Like, I know this great accountant, and all of a sudden you become the accountant for everybody. Oh, my daughter needs her taxes done. Let me bring them to you who, right. who works with minors. You know, like, I'm an accountant right. for minors. I don't yeah. do minors. Right. I actually do the guys who wear hard hat. Not right. Right. In the girl. Yeah. Minders. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Funny story. That's this guy for me. Yeah. That, I, that is. And because I don't do because I because I'm will take it all on. I'm a comptroller. I'm a I do corporate accounting. That's that's my thing. That's all I do. 
any I, I have a, a basic knowledge of anything apart from that. I don't have the time or capacity to do taxes beyond the ones that I already do, which is very few. And so when people come to me and they go, I really need accounting help or I really need tax help. Do you know somebody? I go, oh, Zach Call. He's a, he's amazing. You so so he's a, he's my funnel for everybody. It's like I did do your tax return one year. You, you did do my tax return. I did one do year. your tax after uh, H and R Block. It was a, it. Yeah, it you, your niche could be taxes for comedians, right? That's a that's a horrible uh, niche. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't because don't they, make, make, right? they make they make they make no money. They 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 uh, they're like, what's estimated taxes? And they have no money to pay you. So well, that's a that's a good segue too, because it's like comedians can diversify. They can do a lot of things, but usually they don't do well until they break it into Hollywood or they you know they get a writing gig for you know for a TV show or something like that. That's how they can kind of pay the bills. But in your your experience, did you ever intend to do this to make money, or you did it for the fun? Because you are guess, making money doing it, but in the accounting world. I yeah, think, well, yeah. and I've been doing, so here's the thing. I've been doing stand-up comedy for, for 20, this summer will be 20 years since I started first started doing stand-up. And, and absolutely, when I first started it, I wanted to, to get on SNL. You know, sure. that, it, was, it was that kind of thing of like, I want to, but, but that, I also started it when I was in the, in the quagmire of, not, of, of the wrong quadrant of my uh, right. professional life. And so, so yeah, I, I, I always wanted to, when I started, it was very much, I'd love to see this become my thing. The difficulty with that is that it, whenever you pull, well, I, I was, I went to, in 2012, I went to a, a comedy con conference uh, festival. That's what they call it in comedy land, not a conference. It's a festival. <laughs> a comedy uh, conference festival. It was a comedy conference in Atlanta. And, and there was a buddy I knew that I'd worked with several times out here in Utah. He's a nationally touring comedian, does it full time. It's it. That's his gig. And at this uh, comedy festival, we're waiting for a, a shuttle bus or a Uber or something like that to get to a venue. And we're just chatting. He goes, he goes, Greg, man, I had the best year of my life this year. I think it's finally coming together for me as a uh, as a as a comedian. I made thirty two thousand dollars this year as a comedian. And granted, this is 2000. This is 2012. So it was 10 years ago, but still like I, me doing the so stuff just for inflation like, right now. That was probably a hundred grand. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. But but the crazy thing was all these little side hustles that I had between the, the podcast and the, this and then the emceeing and all that sort of stuff. I was like, going, I almost made thirty two thousand dollars this year doing it, too. And you just go. So enjoying what I do and making a decent amount of money, it'd be very difficult to like flush all that down the drain and start you know, surfing couches to try to get a gig here and there, uh, you know, to, to scratch, scratch together a living. So, so at this point, not so much, but what stand-up comedy does give me is it gives me a pipe dream because I still do lots of stuff and you, you know, you never know what well, you're going to do that's going to take off. Too. So the, the way that I'm, I'm, I see it is, you know, you've got what can pay the bills you've got, you know, I, I think the controller thing is kind of like a joke to you. Like you still like to say that as a joke, but yeah, he, if you identify yourself as being a comedian, as being an MC, as being a cartoonist, it's not about the money. It's how you identify it. And then you can become a better one because that's so you go to sleep at night knowing that's what I am. And you wake up the next day writing jokes, you know, and it doesn't, you know, you're not doing it 
for the, you know, the stardom or the huge like pipe dream, right? Well, I mean, the pipe dream is still there. And if it happens, it's still part of who you are. And you're not, you're not selling yourself on the street. You're not serving fast food, right? Or you're, you're not, um, you know, you're not flipping burgers. Right. Well, here's how I look at it. Well, and it goes back to what you said. It's about the money till it's not. And the fortunate thing is I've got this great gig as my day job where I can, I can just bail out without telling anybody that I'm heading, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm driving 45 minutes away to spend who knows how long. Design your life. Yeah. Has nothing to do with what they're paying me for. I just, I have that kind of freedom. I have that day job, which is fantastic. It pays the bills. It gives me health insurance. They've allowed me to invest in the company. So I've got, you know, a future in terms of that stuff. So You've got, got a title. This, I've, got, I've got a title that I get to make up myself, which is why it's comptroller. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I've got that, but then I've, I've got this other thing. It, it, it's uh Gosh, uh, Nassim Taleb is an author, wrote a book called The Black Swan. Uh, you yep. probably never heard about it, probably never read it. It's a, it's a horrible book to read through. Like they, it, I mean, it's great, but it's written like it, it's like very much train of thought writing where it's like, okay, I get to the point. It's almost like reading his journal or something like that. But one of the things that stuck out to me from that very meandering book is what, because he, he was, he's a Wall Street guy. And he talked about this thing that he calls the barbell strategy, which is also a very bad a misnomer for what he's talking about. But it's a it's a way for investing your money where he says you got two extreme. I mean, again, we're talking two extremes, kind of like the introvert extrovert thing. He says when you're investing your money, invest 85 percent of it in the most secure way that you possibly can. Like something that's that's, you know, it's short of a zombie apocalypse, you're going to be making a, a return, even if it's a. You know, even if it's not the you're not going to knock anybody's socks out, just save, save, save with 85 percent of, of your investable money. And then he said the other 15 percent, you're taking all the long shots. You're investing in anything that might blow up and become, you know, you're, you're looking for the next Apple with that other 15 percent. And it's like you're probably going to lose, uh, you know, you're going into that going, I'm probably going to lose all this money, but hopefully one will hit so big that it makes up for all the, you know, the 14% that I lost, I'll have that 1% that hits big enough to make up for that 14%. And then you reallocate it with that 85, 15%. It's called the barbell strategy. I feel like I do that with my professional life where I've got 85% of my, of my work is this day job. That's very stable, pays the bills. And that's where I don't have to worry. That's that's, that gives me the freedom to do what you're saying, Scott, and pursue this other stuff out just out of love and curiosity and, uh, and if it hits and that's if, your barbell that's the other side of your barbell exactly. that can be out that can overproduce the other it's, one and and you got your passion on that side too and i, I love that analogy because that's i i read anti-fragile that was that was the book um that i read of his and i'm, I'm yeah. sure it's not huge either back to your point of yeah i think i think you can go to sleep at night knowing the work that you do isn't draining you you probably get a lot of fulfillment out of that and it's it makes sense it's logical you could spend 85 percent of your time doing it or make sure that 85 percent of your income is coming from that and so it's how you how we spend our time and also how we where am i where am i going with this point here that's the that because i'm trying to drive a conclusion because we're gonna have to hop off too but i think um, that's a beautiful way to end it as far as that analogy of the barbell 
So I can only aspire to one day see you be like with the heavy, heavy lifting show. I don't I What am I thinking of where the guy's got the barbell and the tiger and he's in a circus, right? Oh, like the freak show, the strongman freak show. Oh, so the your your next comedian show will be that, right? You won't be wearing the suit, the Mormon outfit. You'll be wearing the the, the speedo. You'll have you'll have your tiger and and you'll be doing your thing. And that might be a hundred percent of you at that point. Right. Yeah. And that's when you've the pipe dream becomes the reality. So that would be yeah. the really interesting discussion is after it gets there, then what's your identity, right? Like right. that that's where you've got people who have made it big and they've got everything that they have hoped for. And some of them turn to the dark side after that. And then like Robin Williams, you know, that and so that's that's a there's a lot of sad stories in the ones that are very prolific and very talented. I think you're you're one of the I mean you're very talented. I don't know about the prolificity, but you're you've been really at this for a while. So I'd be interested to see once you get there, you know, what happens. Yep. I don't know where I'm going with that, but that's since uh, since we're wrapping up here, Scott, we have to talk about two two things really quickly. Two First things. First of all, oh my fraud. Oh. What got Absolutely. you back in? <laughs> what got you back into the podcast? Yeah, well, a couple. So, so with Jason, my my really, I love Jason. He's like a brother to me. I yeah. and, and the crazy thing is, every month when we would get together to do our podcast, it it seriously felt like a play date that like our moms had set up for each other. <laughs> and we would, it, it, so it it was a blast. It was tons of fun. I did. I I chose to to leave the podcast. Not because I was disappointed with it at all, but I felt like we'd done it. Like 10, 10 years, 120 podcast. Well, and actually, it was after eight and a half years. I was like, I think we did. That. I gave my 18 months notice to Jason that I was <laughs> that I was like, I think we need to wrap this up at 10 years. That feels right. And and the other thing was you just get too busy. I've got so many side things. Like you brought up my fry That's sauce. The next thing. I my fry sauce about. company. Okay. So I've got all these things that I'm trying to do. And eventually you go, okay, I don't have enough time. I need to stop doing certain things. So I was like, okay, this podcast has been a blast. We conquered it. It's done. I did it. I think it's time to go find other cool things to do now. And so I left the podcast and even, I think it was even in that 18 months, Caleb Newquist contacted me. It was like, he's like, Hey man, well, it didn't contact me. We, we worked together regularly for the yeah. webinars. And he was like, Hey, just wanted to, what would you think if we started a, a, a fraud podcast? I'm going to do it. I'm just quitting a podcast to not do podcasts. And I was like, it sounds like a great idea, but I, but I'm going to pass on that unless you tell me how it's going to, how, how we're going to like conquer the world. How are we going to conquer the world through this podcast? And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And I thought, and I thought that was my very nice way of saying, leave me alone. I don't want to do a podcast. And then a few months later, it comes back to me and goes, okay, I figured out how this podcast is going to change the world. Blake Oliver's got a way for people to get to earn continuing education by listening to the podcast. True crime podcasts are the biggest thing on the planet right now. We're going to have a true crime podcast. Not about just true crime. The top two genres is true crime and comedy. In okay. Podcast. That is go. by far the top two that most people listen to. You guys are blending that. Right. Similar. And there's a there's another True Prime podcast that I listen to that's kind of like, I want to be that, but with fraud. And it's, it's one called uh, My Favorite Murder. And it's a couple of comedians yeah. that just tell stories about murder. And the idea that people can earn the CPE by doing it, I go, okay, that's a whole new thing. And, and the freedom that we have. And that's one of the things we 
ticked off people because our language isn't so clean on the podcast, but that's part of why I'm doing it too. Well, and the funny thing is, it's not like the webinars because we come because Caleb and I do fraud webinars through CPA Academy. We got a sponsor, but it's a different kind of sponsorship because with these podcasts, we're able to create a podcast, create our product and go out and say, do you want to sponsor this? We created this with all the freedom that we wanted to have. Do you want in on this? Instead of going, hey, do you want a podcast? Okay, we're going to do it. Tell us what we need to do to make you happy. It's the other way around. And having that kind of freedom is the other thing that drew me to the podcast. So that's awesome. Um, and and, and so, it's another pipe dream, like you were saying. Any any listeners who haven't hasn't checked out Oh My Fraud, you should go check it out. They have their first episode out. By the time this airs, they probably will probably have, have five episodes, ten episodes <laughs> out at that point. Yeah, we're every our our, our publication, uh, our editorial calendars every two weeks. We're we're dropping a new podcast. And uh, and then what else can they can do? You have a f- website for your fry sauce company? Yeah. Tell us about with fry sauce. Okay. So, okay, so here's what happened. I love fry sauce. My girlfriend loves fry sauce. My kids love fry sauce. We're in. We're just in my kitchen. Make, like we made tater tots or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like we gotta. You know, we can't have tater tots without some fry sauce. So we whip up. And and here's I'm gonna give away the secret recipe for fry sauce. Uh, two parts mayonnaise, one part ketchup. That's the that <laughs> like a, a toddler can make the product that I'm wanting. It's like to Russian taste. dressing, right? It's it, well, it's it's yeah. like that, but not nasty. It's not two and parts. So, yeah, it's so it's uh so that so I think it, I think it was my girlfriend who was who was making up just you know mixing the two ingredients together, and somebody says somebody says fry sauce. That's Utah's treasure, and then it was like. All of us had this light bulb going, going, that's an amazing name for a fry sauce company. And we're like, oh, did we just start a fry sauce <laughs> company? So we did. And our, our whole idea is to do to do like gift, like to make the, the product that literally anyone can make, but to package it in like gift quality bottles where you can like you like you could take it home from Utah as a souvenir. You'd, you'd sell it in the airport. You'd, you'd sell it in the airport. Right. Yeah. You could send it. I mean, that's another thing. If you got a homesick, if you got somebody who's serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints and they're in North Carolina and they're homesick, you don't want to go send them a, a cheap plastic bottle of fry sauce. You want to send them a nice glass bottle of fancy souvenir quality uh, glassware fry sauce to go, we miss you and, and, and home is still here. That's what you need to do. That's what we're and trying to do. For anybody who has got to make it addictive somehow, and that's where the fries come in, right? Like that's the the addictiveness of it. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's and, where people will pay the big bucks. Yeah, and and I don't want to. I'm at the point where it's hard for me to have tater tots or French fries without fry sauce because, like, ketchup just right. yeah, yeah. is teasing me at this point. With, well, it's with the, the contrast of the sweet and the. Um, I don't know how to describe mayonnaise, but that's the, the mayonnaise it it creamier. It makes it smoother than right. just the sweetness of ketchup. Well, I, I always mix my mayonnaise with mustard, but that's that's just me. I don't like the sweet. So I, uh, I, I what's that oh, called when you mix the it's mayo stirred or mustard and Dijonese? They sell that. Dijonese, yeah. Yeah. So D- we're going to have to wrap it up. I got a I got a call that I'm late for. OK, um, yeah. But, uh, but yes, utfrysauce.com. Which is we sell so far we don't have any product except t-shirts and a and a sweet blog, a sweet foodie blog. But go. that's but eventually we're actually gonna get our tell together. me what you're doing with your girlfriend. Yes. Yep. Awesome. Yep. And if it wasn't fun, we'd walk away from it. But we're having a blast not making a product. And for the listeners who own accounting firms or who are working in 
in accounting firms, take a 15% risk in your firm and Absolutely. start doing some things that are yeah. unique. One of them might blow up. They might be that fried Absolutely. sauce for you. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks Greg. Thanks, Zachary. Thank you guys. That was fun. Grow, 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 grow marketing. It's Thursday. We gon' advertise and chat on Thursday. At Accounting High and Branding Talk is Thursday. And we gon' help you social post so you're in first place. It's time for social studies, accounting content hub, LinkedIn marketing, or X. So come join a social club. Is it Twitter? Is it X? Shit, now I can't keep up. So comment, follow, love. If you into social studies, it's time for social studies, accounting content hub, LinkedIn marketing, or X. So come join a social club. Is it Twitter? Is it X? Shit, now I can't keep up. So comment, follow, love. If you into social studies, Welcome back, Accounting High. Now it's time for social studies. We'll teach you new creative ways to market old product. Move beyond basics with graph and stats. Some studs you love. Position like Laura Lynn and you'll learn it's not all luck. Oh, wait, now it all changed. SEO down, IG up. ICX, Meta, TikTok, hey, LinkedIn, Roman V up. If you watch how they post, you'll see it's all authentic and genuine. Grow a following and don't get held back by perfection. Be intentional online. Create content. Now that's hot. Strategy is key with social media and pods. Start slow. Pick up platforms. Stick to it and go post make a plan to engage with client watering holes create a focus brand be a lead online it's a digital world with the best roi now create your own ideal client persona let's go keyword accounting high and get ready to it's time for social studies accounting content hub linkedin marketing or x so come join our social club is it twitter is it x shit now i can't keep up so comment follow love if you're into social studies it's time for social studies accounting content hub linkedin marketing or x so come join our social club is it twitter is it X shit now I can't keep up so comment follow love if you into social studies follow this show stay in the know thought lead online through networking like share repost subscribe youtube comment engage create find your way